Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. And many times we outright neglect the fact that we have to take care of our bodies, okay? So uh, I asked this question last week. I'll ask it again. Is there any one area of your being that you're neglecting? Are you neglecting some soul needs? Are you neglecting spiritual needs? Are you neglecting body needs that you might have, okay? So that's kind of what we're talking about in this series. Um, uh, But specifically this week, I want to go after something that's relevant to us Coloradans, all right? Um, I want to talk a little about substance abuse, and um, but particularly I want to talk about the use of marijuana, all right? So uh, can the Bible shed light on this prevalent subject in Colorado and becoming more and more prevalent in the United States? Um, certainly marijuana has an effect on the body, has an effect on the soul, and has, can I think have an effect also on our spiritual life. Um, two questions I want to answer today. I think we'll get to both of them. Two questions I want to answer today. Number one, is the recreational use of marijuana right for believers, right for Christians? And the second question is, is the use of medicinal marijuana right for Christians? Um, now, uh, I want to just say, if you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're watching and you're not a Christian, um, you know, people can be into anything, not in anything, I guess, but into any number of things and be fine coming. We want you to come to church, because how many know you want people to come to church so that they can come alive in Jesus. But specifically today, I am talking to Christians, because the the question is for Christians, is it right for the believer? Is it right for a Christian, all right? So what does the Bible say about marijuana in particular? Well, marijuana itself in particular is not specifically mentioned in Scripture, but neither is cocaine, methamphetamines, heroin, mushrooms, LSD, (laughs) caffeine, Tylenol, ibuprofen, okay? (laughs) Uh, none, of those, none of those items are specifically mentioned in Scripture. So it's like, oh, the Bible says nothing about it, so I guess we don't know what to do, right? Well, um, I'm not going to do a message on cocaine, methamphetamines, heroin, mushrooms, that kind of stuff, because I think many drugs like that, it's self-evident that those drugs take more from a person than, they, they end up taking more from a person than any kind of benefit that person might receive. Okay, and I think... There are certain drugs, it's just completely self-evident that these things take more from you than they give you, okay? Those are not, uh, those, those drugs I just mentioned, they're not ideal coping mechanisms to the pressures of life and your soul's legitimate needs, okay? Remember, I said this last week, we all have legitimate needs, uh, legitimate soul needs. You have a legitimate soul need for love. We all need love. We all have a legitimate need to, to be valued, the sense of value, um, a sense of significance. We all have a legitimate need to bond. Humans are innately created to bond with one another. Um, <clears throat> we all have the need for adventure. We all have the need for rest. And we all have the need for recreation. Okay, but those substances I just mentioned, I, they're not ideal coping mechanisms um, for those legitimate soul needs. Okay, the Bible does not cite many mind-altering substances specifically, but the Bible does talk a lot about our minds, okay? God does care about our minds. He cares about them, okay? Um, Additionally, what we do have in the Bible is a plethora of scriptures that talk about alcohol, alcohol consumption, and this is what I want to do a little bit today. I believe if you pull forward the logic from those scriptures, 
it can inform a, a number of different subjects, okay? Um, a few weeks ago, I preached on drinking alcohol, if you, um, alcohol consumption in Christians. If you missed that, go back and uh, have a listen to it. But um, I believe we can pull those scriptures forward and make a case based upon inference, okay? So we can, what does this say about alcohol? Let's kind of talk about impairment. Can we pull those scriptures forward and make a case based upon inference? Um, my notes here say, so first I want to make a case based upon inference. And when I first typed that, I had a typo and it said, I want to make a case baked upon inference. <laughs> and I thought, that was funny. And light... <laughs> in light of what we're talking about today. <laughs> I thought about looking up all the different like slang terms for being high in marijuana and like mixing them into the message all throughout. <coughs> Would have been funny, but hard to do. Okay. <coughs> so, um, I would put um, recreational marijuana in a separate category than having a drink, having a drink. Why? Here's why. Because you can have a beer, you can have a glass of wine, and not be impaired, right? Well, at least most people, I think. Unless you're 90 pounds and you haven't eaten anything and you have a drink, maybe, maybe then, okay? You can do that and not be impaired. You could still get in the car and go for a drive, most people. You can read a book to your kids as they're going to bed. You can respond to an email. You can go back to the office, right, uh, for a business meeting. Um, marijuana pot tends to be more of a on-off switch, okay? And so I want to change the question just a little bit here. I want to change the question for Christians. Um, the question was, is the use of recreational marijuana right for Christian, Christians? I want to change it to this question, and I think this gets at the heart of it. Is recreational impairment of the mind right for Christians? Is recreational impairment of your mind right for the believer, Okay. I think that gets to the heart of what we're asking. I think this question, when we ask this question, it informs any number of decisions that we, uh, what we put in our bodies as Christians, okay? Um, let me read a couple verses uh, where it talks about alcohol, and we can kind of infer um, uh, a meaning on, on marijuana. So Ephesians 5.18, we've read this before, says, uh, do not get drunk on wine, or impaired, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Paul's instructing the church in Ephesus, hey, don't get drunk on wine, don't get wasted. Maybe you can have a drink. Uh, maybe that's right for some of you, but don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be, instead what? And I love that he gives an alternative here. Be filled with God. Be full of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many know there's no high like the most high, right? Okay. <clears throat> there's no high like the most high. Write that down. All right. <clears throat> I think so many times in religiosity that we have like here's our list of rules don't do these things but we actually have an alternative here the alternative is living fully alive in god okay so um let's replace it with something let's live fully alive in christ okay romans 13 13 it says this uh, let us not behave uh, let us behave decently um as in the daytime not carousing and uh drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery and not in dissension and jealousy okay all right, so there are many, many verses in the Bible that talk about drunkenness, and I would just substitute the, the, the phrase impairment of the mind, okay? Um, and those are two verses that we can make an inference on recreational impairment. Okay, now, I also want to give some explicit verses on the mind, because I think this really informs what God thinks about these kind of things. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8, it 
It says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Okay, how do you keep, how do you keep the devil, the, as, who is as a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour? How do you prevent him from devouring you? Well, one way is having a sober mind and being watchful, being alert. Okay, Christians, we're supposed to be alert. We're supposed to be watchful. We're not supposed to be walking around with impaired minds all the time, okay? Um, First uh, Peter 1 13 it says this therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober set your hope on the grace that is to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming okay this is talking about the second coming of Jesus this well the rapture and then the second coming um, he's saying with we need to have minds that are fully alert and fully sober and setting our hope on the grace that is to be brought to us when Jesus comes back. Listen, I don't want Jesus to come back to find me deadening my senses and out of, you know, deadening my senses and, and um, being impaired all the time. Amen? Um, and I'll give you one more uh, section of scripture here. Titus 2, 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul is writing to Titus. He's saying, hey, hey, those of you on, on, on uh, the, the island of Crete, um, this is how I want you to instruct the church to live, okay? So he's given the qualities of a sound church, qualities of a sound community. Titus 2, 1 through 6. <clears throat> but speak thou the things which benefit sound doctrine, that aged men must be temperate, grave, sober-minded, sound in faith, in love and patience, and that aged women likewise be reverent in demeanor, not slanders, nor enslaved to much wine, teachers of that which is good, that they may train the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sober-minded, chaste, workers at home, kind, being in subjection to their own husbands, um, that the word of God may not be blaspheming. The younger men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. Okay, so you have men, women, young, old. Paul's saying, hey, all of y'all, all of you, have sober minds, okay? You should not be walking around with impaired minds. Are you guys getting the picture so far? Okay. My personal opinion is, is I don't believe that God wants his church, his, the Christians, to be impaired as a means of recreation. Here's the deal. Recreation is a valid need. You, just, you, you best recognize it. It's a valid need, but impairment of the mind is not a biblically sound means of getting that need met. Okay? So I'm not saying don't recreate. I'm just saying don't impair your mind to recreate. Okay, um, Romans 12, 2, and 3 um, <clears throat> says, let us not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, by letting the Holy Spirit renew our thoughts, by being in the Word of God. Okay, that's a far cry different from deadening our senses and having impaired minds, okay? Your mind is an amazing, beautiful thing. It's probably the, the, the uh, greatest asset that we have is our minds, um, okay, so that's, that's my opinion on, on recreational impairment. Okay, um, I want to address some common arguments. And the reason why I'm preaching about this is like many of you have settled the issue here. But the reason why I'm preaching about this is because I hear Christians who aren't sure. I'm like, I, I guess they're not sure. We should preach about it. We should make this pretty clear, at least in my opinion. Okay, I want to address some common arguments that I've heard Christians use uh, when justifi uh, justifying the use of pot. Um, by the way, again, we're, we're looking at scriptures here. We're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus here, right? 
like Christ followers, Christians are Christ followers. I want to follow Jesus. And I'm not just trying to figure out how far can I go before I've gone too far? And where's the grace line? And, and how do I dance that? I'm not trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out how to walk in a love relationship with Jesus and have the, the best spiritual life possible. Um, I, I, my wife and I have been married 16 years. I'm not trying to figure out how far can I go before my wife will leave me and divorce me. <laughs> let's see. Can, let's test the waters here. Let's see. If you're living a Christian, like I'm, I'm, I'm married to her and I'm trying to have a good marriage. Like I'm trying to, let's have a loving connection with one another, okay? And some people live their Christian life like, what are the rules and how far can we bend them? You're asking the wrong question. The question becomes, how can you fall in love and give yourself fully to this thing? Amen? So let's ask the right questions. If you're, if you're on that, what's okay and what's not okay? I mean, yeah, that's a good question for maybe what's permissible for you or whatever, but the question is, how do we fall in love with Jesus and run after him? So, <clears throat> here's, some, uh, <clears throat> here's some arguments I hear. So, argument number one, it's legal. Pastor it's been legalized, therefore it's fine, okay. Um, <clears throat> Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, Titus 3, make it clear that you and I should follow the laws of our land, okay? It's clear in the Bible that they didn't want us just breaking every law possible, that we should try to live at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. By the way, I want to preach on that sometime. I, someone came up to me this week and said, because I, I mentioned this verse a few weeks ago about how we should follow the laws of our land, and like, yeah, but Pastor Kurt, remember when all those COVID restrictions came, and you didn't exactly follow them exactly, right? <clears throat> and I didn't, and it was not a light decision. I just want to say, um, that there are some exceptions to that, what I just said here, that we're all supposed to follow the laws of our land. There are some exceptions. I actually think it would be a fun message to get into what constitutes as a time where we can say, no, I'm not doing that one, okay? So we'll do that sometime in the future. <clears throat> so, um, okay, in Colorado, it is no longer the case that marijuana is illegal if you're over the age of 21. Here's my argument. On the flip side of that, I want to say just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's right for you. Okay? There's nothing preventing you, if you're 21, from going home and buying a case of beer or a pint of whiskey or whatever and drinking the whole thing. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. There's no law preventing you, so it's totally legal. Now, is that good for you? I, I don't think so. I don't think that's good for you. Okay? <clears throat> um, I'll give you another example. In parts of Nevada, certain counties in Nevada, prostitution is legal. Prostitution is okay. It's legal. So does that make it okay for the believer? Because it's legal? Like in Clark County, where uh, Las Vegas is, it's illegal, but then you can go to the next county. It's like, here it's legal, or here it's illegal, here it's not. I'll just be here. It's okay. And you go back and forth. Does our morality change depending on what county line we're in? Right? Like prostitution is probably not a good thing. Okay? So I'm just saying, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Okay. So that's one argument I, I hear, because uh, before uh, 2012, someone would ask me, is, is it okay to smoke pot? I'd be like, well, it's illegal. You know, that'd be a quick answer. And I have other reasons that I just gave. That reason has been taken away here in Colorado, but I think there are other reasons why it's not good for us. Okay, uh, argument number two that I hear <coughs> is getting high is not as bad as getting drunk. Okay, it's not as bad. As now, I, I would agree that the high of marijuana in many cases, isn't as bad as being sloppy drunk. 
Like if, if I had to have someone give me a ride home and I had to pick the sloppy drunk person or the person that's high, it's like, I guess I'll pick the high guy, you know? <clears throat> that is true. Neither one of those, by the way, are, I'm, these are the best, this is the best of two really, really, really bad options, okay? <laughs> I hope you don't find yourself in this situation ever. <laughs> Something tells me some of you actually have been in this situation. <clears throat> What's that? Yeah, yeah, call your mom, exactly. Um, in either case, you're impaired and you get a, the person driving would get a DUI, by the way. In either case, you're impaired. Okay, so I actually agree in some cases the impairment of pot is less than the impairment of getting hammered drunk. Um, but that's actually not the comparison I'm making today in, the, in this sermon. Recreational impairment and drunkenness are the same category. That's what I'm saying. Um, um, but we've already established that for the believer, for the Christian, getting sloppy drunk is not a good thing for us, okay? And I would put getting high into that same category. So I'm not comparing um, getting hammered with getting high. I'm comparing having a drink to getting high. Does that make sense? And I think one of them is completely different, okay? So that's argument number two that I hear. Um, argument number three, I feel like it opens my mind to more creativity or more productivity. I'll take a drink here. <laughs> um, now, pot isn't necessarily known as like the ambition drug, you know. <clears throat> I suppose there are drugs where like you could get some stuff done, I, I guess. And we could make an argument that those in the end are worse for you as well. But <clears throat> however, I will hear people say sometimes, I'm more creative, I'm more productive, um, my, my thinking is clear when I'm high. Okay, well, most of you are laughing at this already, so it's, it's great. Um, <clears throat> my counter-argument is this. I believe your self-perception is, Im is impaired. <laughs> you think something about yourself that isn't true. You think you're more creative or intellectual, intellectually powered, uh, powerful, but it's more likely that your, um, your self-image is being tainted by the fact that you're impaired. And so you think maybe you're more creative, or you think you're, listen, people, let's face it, people who are getting high, they're not like inventing the warp drive. You know what I'm saying? They're not like finding equations to solve the mysteries of the universe and stuff like that. They're not, okay? Um, maybe they're painting and the painting was good, I don't know, but, okay, so you might think you're more creative, but you're not, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you, a, well, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, one example of this, okay, my father-in-law, who goes to this church, his name is Brad, Brad Lundstrom, amazing guy. Um, he's played chess. He's a really, really, really good chess player. He's played chess since, like, the age 12, okay, and he's really good. Um, in fact, he's in, like, the top 1% of chess players in the world. So, like, 99, he's better than 99.3 or something like that percentage of the chess players in the world. Um, in the 1970s, he smoked a lot of pot as many people did in the 1970s, okay? Um, and he thought it was making him more of like of a creative, he thought it was making him a better player. Oh, I'm so creative and, and, and he's still winning uh, games and he, I'm a creative player, you know? Um, and it's opening him up and he thought it made him better. The truth is that he's very, very good and could still beat most players even when he was stoned. Okay, that's the truth of the matter. Um, and for different, 
reasons, um, he, uh, family dynamics and stuff like that, he just, it was kind of interfering with some family dynamics. And he decided, okay, I need to hang this up. I'm, I'm starting my family. I need to hang up pot. And so he does. And he says, after about a month, he realized his mind was so much clearer than it was before. It was so much crazy. Like my mind is powerful now. I can. I'm even a better chess player. His chess game actually got better. No surprise after he quit smoking smoking pot. Okay, but here's the thing. Many times people, because you're impaired, you think, "Wow, I'm so creative. Wow, I'm so um, productive." Well, you're impaired. Okay, <laughs> and you probably stop that and then try it not high. I bet you get more done. Okay. Um, now I have a video to illustrate how people's self-perception while they're impaired can be, uh, can be tainted. So go ahead and roll that video. I've been wanting to tell you all for years, but I never had the nerve. Um, I don't know you. My wife and your wife are friends. We met just three hours ago. You stink! You and your whole lousy operation stinks! I quit! Uh, gee, don't, don't quit. All right, then. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I had a wonderful time. I must apologize for my husband. If you want him to live through the night, I suggest you roll him onto his stomach. Thank you. I will, Dr. Hibbert. Thanks for coming. Remember, I said if. <laughs> I have never been so embarrassed in my life. Why? What did you do? <laughs> Do you remember the way you acted at the party last night? The way I acted? So I said I must get out of these wet clothes and into a dry martini. <laughs> oh, well said. Oh, you yeah, Thank you. Oh, good Lord, there's a fly in my drink. I put it there. You did? I slipped it into your glass as a gag. Pure hilarity. <laughs> Pure Homer. I pronounce it to be the most whimsical shape of the season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 ask you a question. Was Homer's self-perception accurate of what was happening in reality? Okay. He thought, like, I was so sophisticated last night. I was funny and the life of the party. And the truth, he was making an ass of himself, okay? So <laughs> many times your self-perception is tainted. You think you're more creative, you're more productive, but you're not. Okay, that's argument number three. Argument number four. Um, argument number four is I connect with God through it, or it opens me up to the supernatural realm. Um, <clears throat> some may argue that it opens up to the supernatural realm on another level. Um, and I would agree that drugs can open you up to the supernatural realm. However, I would argue that it's opening you up to the wrong side of the supernatural realm. <laughs> Man? Um, and, and here's the deal. For the Christian, there's nothing in Scripture that encourages Christians to use artificial substances to open themselves up to the supernatural realm um, or to God. Um, I'm going to read Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Um, the very right after this, verse 22, is where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So this is kind of the contrast for the fr fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 19, Paul says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, uh, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Uh, um, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so there's a list there. He's like, these things, don't do them. Stay out of them. You're not inheriting 
the fullness of the kingdom if you're doing these things. In verse 20, I thought, I think this is a really interesting thing. Verse 20, he says the word um, idolatry and witchcraft. Okay, some translations will translate that as sorcery. And if you look up the, uh, the Greek word for that, it's Strong's uh, 5331, it's the, the Greek word pharmakia, which is where we actually we get the, the, the word pharmacy from. It, the, the root word here is pharmakia. But in this context, properly, uh, drug-related sorcery, like the practice of magical arts. Okay, by the way, don't make a theology out of the word pharmakia saying that, you know, like you can't go to the pharmacy and get medications and stuff like that. I just, some people do that and it's too far, okay. But it is the same word. But here's the deal. Um, historically, many religions and cults um, have used drugs, specifically like hallucinogenic drugs, as part of their worship, as part of opening up their mind and opening themselves up to the supernatural realm. Um, one example of this would be um, uh, many Native American tribes would make peyote, you know, out of cactus, and it's a hallucinogenic drug as part of their worship experience. Paul, who he's, he's addressing people within the Roman Empire at that time, Paul is talking to people who are, were worshiping in pagan temples, and many times drugs and hallucinogenic drugs and different things were part of that worship experience, opening people up to the, to the supernatural realm. And I would say that really the demonic realm is where you end up when you, when you get into that. And so here's the point I want to make. Nothing in our Christian faith encourages the use of mind-altering substances to connect with God. Okay? It's not consistent with biblical Christianity. And even if you look at like the Old Testament, for example, when Aaron, God was commanding Aaron, um, Aaron and the priests, you know, they would bring sacrifices before God on behalf of the people. In fact, when they were on duty, God said, don't, don't consume alcohol, don't drink when you're on duty, because you're, you're ministering on behalf of the people, and we need, to, need you to have a sound mind. So if anything, it's the opposite. God wants our minds to be clear uh, in our worship towards him, okay? All right, that's point number, argument number four. Uh, argument number five that I hear. Uh, marijuana is not very addictive. It's not highly addictive. Um, it is true that marijuana is less addictive than other drugs. However, you can still develop a dependency on it, and some people can experience some pretty severe withdrawal symptoms if they stop using this. Okay, uh, what our bodies are addicted to, our minds are addicted to, is important to God. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul says this, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Okay, so if something's controlling your life, there's a, there's a, a drug or something you're addicted to controlling your life, um, I believe God has issue with that. Okay. Um, by the way, there are many adverse cognitive, negative co uh, side effects to marijuana, as you know, it's well documented. Okay, argument number six, last one. Someone might say this, Pastor Kurt, it's natural. It's natural. It's natural, so it's okay. Now, um, I agree that like there are many natural remedies and herbs and different things that we can and should and the, the, the earth offers us to, to benefit our lives. I, I agree that there's some truth of that. Um, so I'm not saying just because natural is bad, obviously. Um, but here's the deal. There are also are many natural plants that are not good for you. You can't go eat anything you want. Many natural plants will kill you, right? Um, the, the person making this argument is like, I want you to go see you, like, eat some poison oak or eat some poison ivy. Like, are you okay in that situation? No. Um, here's another thing that's natural. You know what is natural? Mosquitoes are natural. 
they're natural. So why don't you go out this evening and take your shirt off and stand in your yard and let the mosquitoes eat you because they're natural, right? <laughs> mosquitoes kill more people than any animal ever in the history of the world, okay? And they're natural, apparently. I don't know what God was thinking when he made mosquitoes. Maybe it was after the, well, actually, I think that's probably a good point, is that after the fall, maybe mosquitoes became evil. I don't know. <laughs> they're little devils, though, aren't they? Someone someday who's not high will invent a way to kill every <laughs> mosquito in the world, and then we'll probably find out later on that they had the cure for cancer or something like that. I'm like, oh, we shouldn't have killed all of them. Um, Genesis 129, people make this argument. Uh, God said, I give you every seed bearing plant um, for food, right? This would be like, everything's given us for food. And, and yes, God did give us natural things for food and different things like that. But what you have to remember is that was before the fall. In Genesis 3.17, he says, Now cursed is the ground because of you. Now through thorns and thistles it will produce for you. And so many things, I believe, that on, on before sin entered the world were probably very good for us, or maybe everything was, and that after the fall, some things became very harmful and very bad for us, okay? And so, <clears throat> um, but again, I'm not asking the question, um, we're asking the question, is recreational impairment right for Christians? And I think we just answered that question. Okay, now, um, what about medicinal use? I'm gonna just touch on this real quick. Is the use of medicinal marijuana right for the believer? Okay, um, obviously, there are medicines that will also impair you. O you know, you couldn't take oxycodone or morphine and go hop in the car and go for a drive. That wouldn't be a good idea. So there, there are drugs that benefit us that also have side effects and impair you. Um, I'm grateful for those drugs. Uh, when I was a teenager, I got my wisdom teeth pulled and they gave me nitrous oxide, and it didn't work. It made my heart elevate, so they're like, okay, we gotta, I don't know how, if that happens to a lot of people, but it didn't make me sleep. Um, so they're like, let's give them a drip of, of morphine, and they gave me morphine, and boy, oh boy, was that some good stuff. <laughs> I, remember, I remember thinking, I should never have access to this in my whole life, because this is why it's a controlled substance, because this feels really good. I'm laying there, and um, you know, they're, breaking your teeth in your mouth and pulling them out. I can hear them like crunching to break my teeth to, to extract them. And I'm looking at the dentist thinking, I love you. <laughs> I love you. You're, you're just taking such good care of me. I love you. He's breaking my teeth and I'm like, I love you. Okay. But in that situation, I was very grateful for morphine. Okay. But there are medicines, so that's an argument that they would make, that there are adverse side effects to other medicines. That is true. Um, but is marijuana good medicine? Um, I didn't vote for uh, medical marijuana the first time because I knew where it was going. I knew that was just a stepping stone to recreational. Um, but my personal opinion is this. You should check all the adverse side effects, both long-term, short-term, but in some special cases, I have to acknowledge that there are some people who have benefited because they've exhausted all of their other options, and there are some people who I know who have benefited from the use of medical marijuana. An example of this, um, I heard a testimony of a girl, and this is just my opinion. You don't have to take it or take it or leave it if you don't want it. Um, there was a girl who's having 300 seizures a week, and they tried many, many different medications. None of them worked. They tried medicinal marijuana, and they got that down to three. So she went from 300 to three, and, and nothing else would work for her. So it's like, 
Is God mad at them for figuring out a way to keep their daughter from having 300 seizures? I don't know. I think there's probably some grace there, right? Um, another example of this would be, if it's God, answer it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to stop me right here. It's okay. <laughs> um, another example of this would be someone, suppose someone's dying from cancer and they need something to help boost their appetite or, and have pain suppression. I don't know. I don't think God would be mad at someone who's literally in hospice dying to get a little bit more comfort, okay? So in those special, I think there's special cases. I think in those special cases, um, I, I think there could be, I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just acknowledging that some people have benefited from it. Um, a few years ago, um, I, have a, I have a friend named Nick Stevens, and his mom um, uh, was termi- terminally ill, and she was uh, dying of breast cancer. And so, terrible situation, terrible story, and towards the end of her life, she's in hospice, um, she was still dealing with pain and discomfort, and they did get some marijuana, and medicinally, and, and some candies, or whatever it was, and they gave them to her, and she said that actually very, very much helped her, someone who's in the final stages of their life dying, it actually helped them a lot. Um, unfortunately, she was so far gone, she, she wasn't able to take them very much, and so she passed away, um, which is a very sad story. Um, but the funny part of the story is that because she passed away before she could eat all of them, there were some left after she died. And so uh, Nick Sr. Stevens, they threw him in the trash, and then he went about his business, and then came upstairs later on and found that the dog had gotten into the trash. <laughs> and the dog ate like several full, full doses of medical marijuana, <laughs> and uh, he's, the dog's name um, is Summit, and Summit was on the summit, let me tell you. <laughs> summit was high. <laughs> he said the dog was happy, so the dog was, dog's okay, so apparently your dog's gonna be fine if you give it some, a little marijuana. Okay, so anyway, uh, if there's a, here's what I want to say though, if there is a medical benefit to marijuana for someone, I will say this, make sure you isolate the compound that's actually helping you, because maybe it's not the THC, that's the, the uh, compound that makes you high, maybe it's uh, CBD or something else in that, that that's not, doesn't make you high, so make sure you isolate the exact compound that actually is being a benefit to you. I just say, in some cases, I think, I think God's gracious, and some people who are seriously suffering um, I think it's probably fine, in my opinion. So, um, but here's the deal. Don't be one of those losers who's like, oh, I have a little backache, and I get r- ripped every single day because I have a little backache. Okay, get some ibuprofen, get a cup of coffee, and go to work, all right? <laughs> get back to work. Everyone's got a backache all of a sudden, you know? So... But in those extreme cases, I, I think God's gracious, and if it helps someone, it helps them, you know. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm kind of wrapping it up here. Um, life can be very challenging. We all have stresses, disappointments, pressures, ambiguity, those things to cope with in our life. We all have those things. The question to us, it's not if we will run to some, something or someone. The question is when and who and what we'll run to. Okay, you're going to run to something because you're, you're going to. Life is hard. Life is difficult. 
But I love this verse, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. It says this, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Notice we already read this verse earlier, verse 8. Be sober, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, you do need to do something with your, your cares, your anxieties, those things. We do need to do something with it because they are tearing us up. They are, they are tearing us apart. Um, the question is, who are you going to run to? And us believers, we need to learn the art of taking our problems to God. We need to learn the art of opening our lives to other Christians, other believers, and having healthy connections with other people. Um, I have a, a three-minute video that I want to play, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. I play this video on our third service ever as a church. Um, so how many were here? It was February of 2018. How many were here? So you, yeah, lots of different people. Cool. So not all of you have seen it. Um, I play this, this video in the third service that we ever had as a church, um, and it talks a little bit about chemical addiction, stuff like that, but um, go ahead and go ahead and roll that. Professor Alexander explained to me, the idea of addiction we've all got in our heads, that story, comes partly from a series of experiments that were done earlier in the 20th century. They're really simple experiments. You can do them tonight when you go home if you feel a little bit sadistic. You get a rat and you put it in a cage, and you give it two water bottles. One is just water, and the other is water laced with either heroin or cocaine. If you do that, the rat will almost always prefer the drugged water and almost always kill itself quite quickly. So there you go, right? That's how we think it works. In the 70s, Professor Alexander comes along and he looks at this experiment and he noticed something. He said, ah, we're putting the rat in an empty cage. It's got nothing to do except use these drugs. Let's try something a bit different. So Professor Alexander built a cage that he called Rat Park, which is basically heaven for rats, right? They've got loads of cheese, they've got loads of colored balls, they've got loads of tunnels. Crucially, they've got loads of friends, they can have loads of sex, and they've got both the water bottles, the normal water and the drugged water. But here's the fascinating thing. In Rat Park, they don't like the drugged water. They almost never use it. None of them ever use it compulsively. None of them ever overdose. You go from almost 100% overdose when they're isolated to 0% overdose when they have happy and connected lives. Now, when we first saw this, Professor Alexander thought, you know, maybe this is just a thing about rats, they're quite different to us, you know, not, maybe not as different as we'd like, but, you know. Um, but fortunately, there was a human experiment into the exact same principle happening at the exact same time. It was called the Vietnam War. In Vietnam, 20% of all American troops were using loads of heroin. And uh, if you look at the news reports from the time, they were really worried because they thought, my God, we're going to have hundreds of thousands of junkies on the streets of the United States when the war ends. It made total sense. Now, those soldiers who were using loads of heroin were followed home. The archives of general psychiatry did a really detailed study. And what happened to them? It turns out they didn't go to rehab. They didn't go into withdrawal. 95% of them just stopped. Now, if you believe the story about chemical hooks, that makes absolutely no sense. But Professor Alexander began to think there might be a different story about addiction. He said, what if addiction isn't about your chemical hooks? What if addiction is about your cage? What if addiction is an adaptation to your environment? Looking at this, there was another professor called Peter Cohen in the Netherlands who said, maybe we shouldn't even call it addiction. Maybe we should call it bonding. Human beings have a natural and innate need to bond. And when we're happy and healthy, we'll bond and connect with each other. But if you can't do that because you're traumatized or isolated or 
beaten down by life, you will bond with something that will give you some sense of relief. Now, that might be gambling, that might be pornography, that might be cocaine, that might be cannabis, but you will bond and connect with something because that's our nature. That's what we want as human beings. All right. Why don't you stand your feet and we'll, we'll close here. You were created to bond. You were created to connect with your creator, and you were created to connect with people. We all have legitimate soul needs, a need for love, value, and acceptance. And many, many times we run after these inferior substitutions. That's really what they are. They're inferior substitutions for what we're created for. And so uh, I just want to encourage you today, Make sure you're meeting those soul, spirit, body needs in a healthy way so that you don't run to things that are inferior substitutions. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll close here. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for every person here. They're made in your likeness and image. God, you love them. You created them to connect with you and to connect with others, Lord. I just pray that we'd be the healthiest people, Lord, in the world, Lord. We'd be the, the most uh, connected people in the world, Lord. We would be, have loving, uh, intimate um, vulnerable connections with people around us, Lord. We would live vulnerable, Lord. That we would we would let people see in, Lord. And we just thank you for that, Lord. And we, we thank you. That's how you create us. I bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.